Uh, good evening, everyone. And thank you, David, for leading us and for praying for me. Uh, I'd like to read just some reasonably well-known verses. They're from Proverbs 6. If you do want to turn to them, I'm just going to read three verses at this stage. It's page 640 in those red pew Bibles. But as I say, these, these are quite familiar words. They're on the screen as well. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Tonight we are back into our series in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, a book of everyday wisdom for everyday people. A book that, that teaches us so much about what it means and what it looks like to live a life that is characterized by wise choices and wise decisions, God-honoring choices and God-honoring decisions. And, and lots of the, the content of this book is incredibly practical and earthy. But the starting point, the essential base place, is a fear of the Lord. That's where it begins. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, is what it says in Proverbs 9. And one of the first lines that we read in this book says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. But, but what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, here's a definition of the proper kind of fear. It's that which causes us to stand in awe and in reverence and in respect. And so if we're going to be wise, and if we're going to live wise lives, we need to check where we stand. We need to check how we stand before God. We must maintain a right focus. We must have a right perspective. We must have a submissive heart because the fear of the Lord underpins wisdom. And with that base in position, we've then been kind of reflecting on what Proverbs goes on to teach us about wise living. And we've defined wise living as the art of living skillfully from God's point of view in whatever condition we find ourselves in. Living skillfully from God's point of view, whatever condition we find ourselves in. And so far we have identified that a wise life is a disciplined life. And so we have been encouraging one another to embrace discipline. Self-discipline, yes. The discipline of others, yes. And also the Lord's discipline. We then highlighted that wisdom encourages us to take initiative in key areas of our lives. That we shouldn't be lazy like the sluggard, but we must learn lessons from the proactive ant. And we thought about some of the areas of life that we need to take initiative in. For example, our relationships, work, health, our finances. And we've got to take initiative regarding the state of our heart. Above all else, says God's word, guard your heart. You've got to take initiative. You've got to be proactive. You've got to do this because it affects everything else. 
Two weeks ago, Gordon then identified that wise people do good. They want to do good. They're willing to do good. They have a desire to do good. And that's what Proverbs teaches us. Which brings us to this evening's characteristic. And that is that wise people speak truth. They do not lie. They pursue honesty in their personal lives and in their relationships. Many people have seen the film Liar, Liar. You can't admit to it, it's okay. (laughs) Near the start of the movie, a young boy called Max makes a birthday wish. He wishes that his dad, who's played by Jim Carrey, would not be able to lie. Because so many times his dad has promised something or said that he would be there for Max and then didn't deliver or didn't turn up. And so he makes a birthday wish that my dad can't lie. And I think he initially wishes it for a day. And his wish comes true. And what follows is pretty funny as Jim Carrey discovers what it's like to tell the truth in every situation. But near the end of the film, the dad can't take it anymore. And he wants his son to reverse the wish. And so we're going to watch a clip from the film as Jim Carrey urges Max to unwish his wish. Let's watch this together. Monster Max! Godzilla, you can't play catch! I'd like to, but I can't right now. Max, I gotta talk to you. Your mommy told me about that wish you made last night. It came true, Max. Really? You mean you have to tell the truth? Yes! No matter what? No matter what! Is wrestling real? In the Olympics, yes. On Channel 23, no. Will sitting too close to the TV set make me go blind? Not in a million years. If I keep making this face, will it get stuck that way? Uh-uh. In fact, some people make a good living that way. Now listen, Max, you gotta do something for me. I need you to take back that wish. So you can lie? Yes, but not to you. You see, Max, sometimes grown-ups need to lie. (laughs) It's hard to explain, but if... Look, here's a good example. When your mommy was pregnant with you, she gained a good 40 pounds. There was nothing she wouldn't eat, and Daddy was scared. But when she'd ask me, how do I look? I'd say, honey, you look great. You're beautiful. You're glowing. If I'd have told Mommy she looked like a cow, it would have hurt her feelings. Understand? My teacher tells me real beauty's on the inside. That's just something ugly people say. (laughs) Max, no one can survive in the adult world if they have to stick to the truth. I could lose my case. I could lose my promotion. I could even lose my job. Now, I need your help, Max, okay? Okay, now do whatever you did last night. Only this time, make it an unwish. I did it. Excellent! Not like I'd hoped. 
Did you unwish it? Only... What? Only what? Yesterday when I wished it, I really meant it. This time when I unwished it, I only did it because you told me to. All right. Then do it again, and this time, mean it. But I can't. Why not? Because I don't want you to lie. I explained this. I have to lie. Everybody lies. Mommy lies. Even the wonderful Jerry lies. But you're the only one that makes me feel bad. Everybody lies. Dr. Leonard Keeler, who co-invented the polygraph, the lie detector, he, he surveyed some 25,000 people just after he'd invented the lie detector. And here was his conclusion at the end of his survey. People are basically dishonest. And yet, honesty is a characteristic, it's a character trait that we long to find and see in each other. Employers want it from their employees and vice versa. Wives want it from their husbands and vice versa. Families long for honesty. Friends crave it. Society needs it. And even though we live in a culture in an age where lies and deceit are kind of common currency, certainly in media, in politics, in advertising, nearly everyone you ask wants other people to tell the truth. We want to be able to trust people, no matter what. We don't want people to twist or bend the truth in relationships. Now, as I read earlier, we all know from the book of Proverbs exactly how God feels about lying. God detests a lying tongue. He detests it with a passion. He detests false witnesses who pour out lies. Later on in Proverbs 12, 22, we read this, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Seldom does the Bible use stronger language than this to describe God's response to sinful behavior. God cannot stand lying. It, it turns his stomach, makes him sick. And therefore, anyone who claims to be in right standing with God and before God, anyone who claims to fear God, to have a proper sense of awe and reverence and respect, are going to be those who hate lying as well. And one of the reasons that, that God feels so strongly about this is because lying goes completely and totally against his nature. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie because God is a God of truth. And so in creating every single one of us in his image, he wants us to be people who reflect that aspect of his character. He wants us to be truth speakers. And therefore, lying is a profoundly ungodly practice. But where did it come from? As you engage with, with Scripture, you quickly discover that its source is Satan. He started it right back in the beginning. He, he told the very first lie to Eve in the garden when he said, You will not surely die. 
Whereas the truth was, they would. And they did. Satan started it. And when, when Jesus came along and he lived among us, he described Satan as what? The father of lies. That's where it came from. But they also come from in here. They come from the heart. Although it's vital to realize that what happened in the garden and the state of in here are intimately connected. Whenever sin entered our world in Eden as a result of Satan's lie, our hearts were affected. And so Jesus taught that, but the words you speak come from the heart. And that's what defiles you, said Jesus. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, or sexual immorality, theft, lying comes from in here, and slander. And so lying is a heart problem. All sin is a heart problem. But let's get back to Proverbs. Because the reason God detests lying is because it contradicts his nature. And so lying is always going to be a messy business because we were created in the image of a truth-telling God. And also God is so aware of the horrendous damage that it has done to his created order. And therefore, God is not neutral about our, our lying. But another reason, and this follows on why God detests it so much, and this is another consequence of lying, is that it destroys other people. When we are dishonest, when we are deceitful, when we tell lies, it wrecks lives. Listen to this proverb. The tongue, what brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You see, lying to others leaves a trail of destruction in lives, in marriages, in friendships, in trust, in security. They are all put under dire threat whenever lives are told, whenever half-truths half are shared. And God knows the impact that they can have. God knows how telling lies and being deceitful breaks hearts. And therefore, he detests it. He hates it. And the writer of Proverbs then urges us to avoid it. And so what specific advice can we find in Proverbs? Well, at one level, the specific advice is relatively simple. It's relatively direct. And it's this. Don't lie. That's it. Wisdom tells us don't lie. If the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, then if you fear God who detests lying, you will not lie. You will care about telling the truth in every situation. So if you want to live skillfully, from God's point of view, no matter what situation you're in, simple. Don't lie. But let's dig a bit deeper. Because Proverbs has a lot to say about words in general and how we speak. The writer brings up the subject of, of how we speak in our words some 90 times. But let me suggest 
one sterling piece of advice and counsel that has a bearing on this issue. If you want to sin less, talk less. Listen to Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Let me read that in another version. Too much talk, says the writer, leads to sin. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. It's the New Living Translation. But listen to Eugene Peterson's translation in the message of this verse, because it sheds even more out, and I love this. The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. You see, the less you talk, the less you exaggerate. The less you say things you regret, the less you put your foot in it and so on. It's common sense. But as we said in week one, quoting Voltaire, common sense is not that common. Now, it's not that Proverbs is, is advocating that we all take a vow of silence, although. But at the very least, it is urging us, carefully consider your words. Think before you speak. Here is another related proverb. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Think carefully before you open your mouth. Is what I'm about to say true? Monitor your word output. Wisdom, as well as the rest of Scripture, urges us to speak truth. In Proverbs 8, we read that wisdom speaks the truth every single time, and it cannot have any kind of deception. And in the New Testament, we find an instruction like this, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. You see, God wants us to speak truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I know there is a case for tact and diplomacy in certain situations. I know that. We need wisdom at times. For example, back to Jim Carrey's character commenting on how his wife looked when she was pregnant. And we all know what I'm getting at in those kind of cases. Or what about if telling the honest-to-God truth in certain situations, like in a conflict situation, would mean that lives were put in danger? Yes, I know that, the whole idea of a lesser of two evils. There are circumstances whenever wisdom dictates, but let's not allow those relatively exceptional conditions to cloud or or interfere with the core principle and value. God wants us to speak truth period. Not to lie. Not even to tell those little white lies or whatever color of them. Now, there are occasions when speaking the truth is going to hurt. Whenever it's going to cost to speak the truth, and yet you've got to do it. If you're serious about living a life of wisdom, you're serious about living a life which stands before God with awe and reverence and respect. There are times when you've got to speak truth and it's going to cost you. And so, for example, whenever a friend is making choices that's destroying themselves 
or destroying others around them, there is a case for sharing some hard truths with that person that may not go down particularly well, but they still need to be said. We can't and we shouldn't hold back. The relationship might be put under severe pressure, but again, there is a greater good at stake. Or what about the opportunity to speak about the most important truth in life? That God loves you. That Jesus died for you. What about the the truth of the gospel? The good news about Jesus. Are there times when we shrink back from telling the truth to our families, to our friends, and to our colleagues because we're afraid that it might cost us? Speaking the truth as opposed to to lying is wise, full stop, but speaking the truth into people's lives is also critical, yet it's painful at times. And on that one, going back to Ephesians 4, and this time, verse 15, we know that to be like Christ, we need to learn the art of speaking the truth in love, and that combination is vital because one without the other is deadly. Those who go around speaking the truth without love brutalize others. They force truth into people's lives insensitively. Whereas those who love and never speak truth leave a trail of sentimentality devoid of substance and strength. We need to speak the truth, the good news of Jesus in love. I need to finish. One of the key characteristics of a wise life is a life that is committed to not lying. It's a life that knows it's a heart problem, knows that it's been infected by the father of lies and by sin. And it's a life that desires to speak truth, knowing that honesty is always the best policy and that telling the truth as opposed to telling a lie protects our hearts, protects our relationships, protects our commitment. Proverbs, this book of everyday wisdom for everyday people, clarifies what God thinks about lying. Hates it. And so advises us carefully Consider every word you speak. And in thinking a little more about the wisdom of speaking truth, we have mentioned some of the very real challenges that presents for speaking difficult truths into people's lives and for sharing the truth, the ultimate truth with those around us. And so as we close this evening, we're going to sing We're going to sing a song that we we usually sing before we turn to God's Word, and it's the song, Speak, O Lord. But there's a line in this song that says this, take your truth and plant it deep in us, and then this phrase, shape and fashion us in your likeness. So as we stand together and as we sing, can I invite you, to think carefully about the words you've spoken today in this past week. 
Has there been things you've said which have not been true? Have you told lies? Have you exaggerated? Have you passed on gossip, on truths about someone else behind their back? And so you need to take time as you stand in awe and reverence and respect before a God who detests lying. So I invite you to stand and pray, God, take your truth, plant it deep, shape and fashion us in your likeness. Let's stand together.